I'm the co-pilot, I said on the right. I'm quick and courageous, I'm wonderfully bright. My job is remembering what the captain forgets and I never... Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty, I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. Would you believe this is my 80th show, my 80th episode? I actually, honestly, would have never thought I'd be doing it this long. And this episode is more of a throwback, more of a classic style of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. In the last year, I've sort of gotten away from the pilot stories because I didn't have that much time with the pilots since I've been flying international. There wasn't that much time after the service to go up into the cockpit. So it's been more flight attendant stories and more stories from me. But this episode, I figured out I've changed my strategy a little bit. And I've been asking and talking to the pilots on the crew van. And uh, lots of times it's quite a bit of a drive to the hotel. And uh, so now I have more pilot stories. And actually I have in this episode, at the end of this episode, a story of a dramatic pilot story, a scary pilot story, which I haven't had in a long time. Uh, I want to thank the listener, Andreas, who sent me the song for this episode. It's on YouTube, and I'll put a link to it. It's called The The Poor Co-Pilot by Oscar Brand. And I do have a couple stories here from past episodes of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is a podcast I enjoy. I don't have any uh, affiliation with them, but I think if you don't listen to them, you might want to check them out. They're on the weekends on NPR, or the podcast is on iTunes. And they had quite a few airline stories this month, so some of them are really funny, so I've included those. So let's get on with the 80th show. What the captain forgets, and I never talk back, so I have no Okay, so you said something happened a while ago? Okay. When we were flying L15, do you remember yeah, yeah, those? Yeah. And we used to have the headsets, right? Um, plastic tube stuff. Yeah, they came down from your ears and right. under your chin. Right. And there's a bunch of um, the farmers. They never be on airplane entire life. Maybe in the sixties, maybe seventies. Whole bunch, bunch of, of guys, farmers. Yeah, from uh, Japan, oh. Nagoya flight. Huh? They got them, <laughs> and they look at them. One of the reader seems like a reader of that team. He goes, "Okay, airplane. There's um, the difference of you know that altitude. Right. So must have done something with the ears. Then, okay, everybody put on this ears. How about the other end? <laughs> and that must help you, you know. Yeah. yeah. So they yell them." But the other ends on the nose. <laughs> All ten of them. All ten of them? The part that plugs into the armrest, they put in their nose? All ten of them. What did you do when you saw it? Nothing. <laughs> that was fantastic. No regrets. I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home. Had come oh, yeah, on with yeah. the company and remember he was trying to pack the airplanes just as tight as they could with uh, people they were they remember they started that whole concept of uh i guess make sure it's underpricing seats priceline.com all that stuff and start filling the airplanes up tight where you couldn't go anywhere at any time during the summer and so we were in jackson mississippi and i was a brand new first officer on the 88 and same thing and it's hot on the airplane and it's in the south 
and this black gate agent comes down the jetway with the paperwork, running down the jetway to try to get us on time. Now, mind you, everything it, we're filled up. We even have the jump seats filled up. Whoa. And the gate agent sticks his head up, passes the paperwork for and says, Captain, I got this thing packed tighter than a condom on a watermelon. <laughs> and all of first class starts, all of first class heard him say it and start busting out laughing. No. And the delivery, it couldn't have been from anybody else and have been as perfect. And the location. Yeah, really. You know, it's just unbelievable. We, I couldn't stop laughing for like three or four minutes. I have never minutes. heard that one before. Yeah. So I was coming home from a wonderful trip to Paris. I went to Versailles. I had never been. It was fantastic. Took the train there. I've been taking trains all over Europe at work. I can't get better work than that. But those days are almost over because... Uh, in the winter, we don't have daily flights, so then you can have like a two-day layover where you have time to take a train somewhere. But we're heading into the summer season, and those flights will be daily, so it won't. It'll be no more long layovers for me to go wander around Europe. But I was coming home from Paris, and we were doing the middle service, and I went to the back. I had been on like the snack cart and I got back there before the beverage cart and I was like, boy, it smells back here. And before they had left, they had turned the lights low in the galley. I'm not sure why, but it was kind of dark back there. And there was an air marshal standing back there and uh, he had been standing there for a while. So I said, "Um, man, where's that smell coming from? And he goes, I think it's coming from the bathroom. I think someone threw up in there and uh, one of the other flight attendants sprayed in there, but it still stinks. I'm like, oh my gosh, it smells terrible. And I'm putting all my stuff away in the galley. And I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to go do something else in that bathroom. It just smells really bad. And then he's looking at me and he's like, um, I think you might be walking around in it. And I look down and some passenger must have come back to the galley thrown up all over the floor and then left it there didn't say anything just went back and sat back down or whatever and here I was walking around in puke because it was dark and I didn't see it and it's like I looked down and I'm like oh my goodness it's like a puke skating rink I've been just walking trampling it all over every place and I was like oh I'll tell you those are the non-glamorous days <laughs> as a flight attendant. And you know what? It also goes to show that I had had this nice layover in Paris. And believe me, there's a price to everything. It isn't always money. Sometimes you have to skate around and puke to go to Paris. I make out the flight plan and study the weather. Pull up the gear, drop it, and stand by so the feathers. So this is when we had gotten our new fancy uniforms. We've been in the, in the uniform for a month, and I had settled in to have my crew rest, and we didn't have a curtain up, and I heard this kid come down the aisle. <laughs> 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 all over my jacket that I was wearing backwards. <laughs> it was like, okay, next trip, the coordinator said, and we are not hanging a blanket to protect ourselves. And I said, my jacket did not make it home with me because I had somebody throw up on my on me and my jacket. And she goes, we might want to put a blanket up. Put a blanket up. Doggone if somebody, that same trip, the next trip, 
we've got the blanket up, and here, here it comes. And <laughs> 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 luckily, it hit the curtain and not me. <laughs> Alonzo, people use Facebook to choose dates or parties to go to, but pretty soon you'll be able to use Facebook profiles to help you choose what? Um, well, they're, they're coming out with this new ad campaign, so wouldn't it be to choose anything? No, 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 no. This is a specific purpose that Facebook is being put to. Excuse me. Mm. Let me give you a hint. I mean, you'll be looking for someone when you go on Facebook to do this search. To, looking for someone who never needs to get up to use the bathroom and hates to even touch the shared armrest. Oh, that airline seats. Yes. You can... You can um partner with somebody exactly. on an airline you exactly can find right if, if you have common interests or if they women really like a creepy guy next to them right talking for two hours as they're trapped in a seat because a lot of women are going to sign up for that yeah, absolutely the dutch airline klm is launching meet and seat which would also be a good name for a steakhouse users upload their facebook data and you can look at it to decide who you want to sit next to KLM hopes people will use it for networking. You know, you say, oh, look, it's an insurance salesman. I'm in need of insurance. I will sit next to him. But this is going to be a disaster because if you think about it, the only thing worse than sitting next to a stranger for four hours is sitting next to a stranger who really wants to sit next to you. So, so what's your strategy for politely not talking to the person on the plane next to you? I actually get on the plane with my headphones on <laughs> and an angry look. <laughs> uh, the other thing you can do if this is imposed on us is leverage your Facebook profile to get a row all to yourself. Likes, likes, frequent urination, air sickness. Dislikes, bathing. I had that guy on the way out here. Did you really? <laughs> Pull up the gear, drop it, and stand by the feather. I make out his mail forms, I hire his whores, and I fly his old crate to the cute of his snores. I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home. Okay, so now I want to ask you how many years you've been flying. 48 years in April, 27. And do you realize that sounds like a lot to most people? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed like yesterday I started. I know, and I bet you've seen so many changes. Like, were you around when you had to wear a girdle? Yeah, of course, pantyhose weren't invented. You had to wear a girdle to hold wait, up your stockings. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, pantyhose weren't invented. Not when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Did come a couple of years or three years later. Can you think of like one other big cha change or something that people don't think of that you've noticed? And that, it's like almost a half a century. Well, we were treated like models and superstars and starlets. How nice is that? <laughs> You're not treated that way today. I mean, people used to stop and stare at us, come up Wait. to us and ask us if we were somebody special or, or... Wait a minute, i got to have you say that, that, that sentence again, because I have never said that sentence. Oh, people treated me like movie stars and starlets. Wait, say what you said. <laughs> they did. They treated us like movie stars and starlets or models. We were just people stop and stare. That's just fabulous. <laughs> I loved it. I got the best part of the fly. You did. I love that too. It was before pantyhose were invented. <laughs> I make out the flight plan accordingly.
important to Hoyle. I take all the readings, I check on the oil, I hustle them out for the midnight alarm, I fly through the fog while he sleeps on my arm. I don't know how often you guys listen to the news, but there were some terrible tornadoes in Dallas, and I was in Dallas-Fort Worth. Sometimes you're just lucky that way. Um... I was leaving that morning, and I did hear that they were expecting thunderstorms and some hail, but didn't hear anything about tornadoes, and I think we took off right before it touched down, because by the time we landed, all the footage from the tornadoes and picking up those tractor trailers and throwing them around, and they show pictures of the airport, which I had just left, where the everybody was worried, and they had a ground stop, because, you know, if it could pick up those tractor trailers and throw them around, you know, I bet you the people in the airplanes were worried too. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes I'm dodging tornadoes. I'm right out in front of them and lucky to get out when I did. While he sleeps on my arm I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home I want to start off by saying when, when I first transferred to the West Coast um, I've been flying in New York for 10 years. One of the things I noticed out here was all the flight attendants traveled with coolers. And when people from New York would say, you know, well, what's it like out there? I said, well, everybody's got a cooler. And they spend a lot of time working on the cooler, chilling the cooler, putting ice in the cooler. I think a lot of these people could, you know, eat out of that cooler for an entire trip. And what I missed while I was gone in New York was the change in domestic flying where there was no more food on board. So people were always worried that they'd be hungry. I know. It's like they have a refrigerator with them. Of course, you didn't bring a refrigerator. No refrigerator, <laughs> right. So I got to the airport, and one of my favorite flight attendants had been called out on the trip as well. She, um, I'd flown with her a lot in New York. Her name was Eva, and uh, she was one of those old Panamers, the real glamorous ones, real understated elegance. She, I, I think, had been Miss Sweden. She, hmm. Her parents were diplomats, and... Uh, and she's just a delight to work with. When she speaks, you can tell she's from the continent, but she's been taught the Queen's English. So when I saw her there, I said, you know, well, where are we going? I didn't have a chance to look. And she said, well, we're laying over in Jackson, Mississippi. And she asked me about it, and I'd been there before. I have friends that lived there, and I knew there were nice restaurants and nice, you know, places to stay there. And I figured we could find something to eat. Well, when we landed... I noticed we weren't really going towards Jackson, and we were going to be laying over somewhere out in the suburbs, a place called Pearl. Pearl? Pearl, Pearl, Mississippi. So we get in there, and both Eva and I are starving, and we um, ask the woman at the front desk, um, are there any restaurants around? Because, you know, we hadn't really seen anything. It was this vast parking lot with one hotel. It looked like a huge church or school, something like that, in a place that sold bass fishing boats. So we asked her, are there any restaurants around? And uh, she said, replied in that real kind of Mississippi uh, accent, well, you see that road out yonder, one with no lights and all them weeds growing up on the side? 
Well, you walk down that road for about a mile and a half, and you'll find a Sonic. A Sonic. <laughs> and it, a Sonic's a drive-thru. I know. I know, I'm from the South. I know what a Sonic is. And she goes, well, you know, they did find that body out there in that ditch, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. My kids play out in that ditch all the time. Never <laughs> did find who did it, though. So... Eva looks over at me, and I can tell she's not going to take one step out of the hotel. But the funny thing was, I'd heard that same sort of directions once in New York. Um, I had a commuter pad. A lot of flight attendants that right. commute, you know, share a house and, you know, share expenses. Crash pad. Don't really live there. Well, I spent a lot of time over at a friend of mine's uh, home uh, when I was in New York. He'd always invite me over for dinner. And he had a friend coming in from the city, and he was giving her directions out to Queens, where he lived. And uh, he was Puerto Rican, and um, he had, the funny part was the way, uh, the cadence of his voice when he was giving these directions. So um, he's telling her to take the Long Island Railroad and uh, to get off and uh, where to go from there. And he said, do you know those stairs? The ones to the right? The ones where the woman was stabbed to death and she was screaming and no one would help her, you'd take those stairs. I I remember thinking, what are people thinking when they give directions (laughs) like this? Don't mind the dead bodies. Go that way. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, getting back to Pearl, we, um, we elected to eat in the hotel restaurant. And Eva wanted a glass of wine and the wine was in a box, so she decided to um, get a beer. And um, the woman brought the beer and the bottle and just set the bottle down in front of Eva, and I don't think Eva's ever drank a beer out of a bottle. And she said very nicely, oh, do you mind, could I have a glass for my beer? And the waitress said, well, we hadn't got any clean ones. Oh, gosh. So Eva drank her first beer out of the bottle, and she said in her very proper English accent, Robert, I think that if my family saw me doing this, they'd have me disowned. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, um, the waitress was clearing tables, and she had a tray full of beer bottles, and she dropped them, and she uh, yelled out really loud, Mother! And she saw me look up, and she goes, uh, Pearl. <laughs> pearl. And, and the only thing I could think of was, get me the pearl out of here. <laughs> I treat him to coffee, I keep him in cokes, I laugh at his corn and his horror. Well, welcome to the show, Al. Carl Castle is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a big winner. Ready to play? Sure am. Here's your first limerick. The business class flyer rejoices. The crew won't be blaring food choices. When roaming the aisles, it's silence and smiles. They're learning to lower their... Voices. Right. Learning to lower their voices. Very good. To... um... Help its flight attendants create a calmer first-class cabin, Virgin has hired professional whisper coach Richard Fitzgerald to train them in whispering. You have to wonder what it was like in first class or upper class, as I call it, to make them want to hire a whisper coach. What were the guys doing? It was like, 
Moist towels, get them while they're steamy. Yo, 2B, you want some hot nuts? We need to bring in the whisper coach and get this straightened out. It's just one more way to make the people in coach feel worse about themselves. <laughs> hey, would you like your free meal and a cocktail? You only get that up here. So obviously you had lots of celebrities on board. Did any of them ever hit on you? Well, I remember Johnny Cash hitting on me once. <laughs> that was between his marriages. Were you flattered? Well, I know he was a little bit too drunk for me to be flattered. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if he wanted another drink or he was being nice to me because he liked me. Because he had a two-drink limit. What? A two-drink limit. On every passenger? Every passenger only could have two drinks on the airplane. See, that's the stuff we don't know about. I never even heard of that before. Oh, yeah. On every leg, it was a two-drink limit. Wow. And I just want to ask you one more thing. You were talking about when the pilots' wives came back. You know, I didn't know this either. So you weren't allowed to get married. Weren't allowed to get married uh, at all. And then you weren't, when you were allowed to get married, uh, pilots and flight attendants could not be married together on them. So they, they had to quit. So about 10 years later, I think, or somewhere in there, uh, they there was a lawsuit and they were allowed to come back with full seniority. The pilot's uh, wives. The pilot's wives, yeah. That seems like a TV show too, <laughs> The Pilot's Wives. <laughs> yeah, and it was nice, you know, they got to raise their kids, stay home with them. They were up in high school or, or uh, junior high and they could leave them then. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Worked out good. Once in a while when his landings are rusty, I come through with, yes sir, Captain, it's gusty. I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long A mid-air scare for people on a Southwest Airlines flight from Baltimore to Long Island. People started panicking because they thought they heard the pilot say, bomb on board. Turns out, he was actually wishing happy birthday to a mom on board. The pilot later clarified his message. Turns out you can't take away a mistaken bomb warning. However mistaken, uh, they still complained when they landed. Mom on Mom. board. Mom. Remember not to say that on, on board. board. <laughs> okay. Got off the list. Gosh, there. thanks very much. I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home. And I want to thank all of you who have gone to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, if you're going to buy something on Amazon. You know, if you're going to purchase something anyway, if you go to my website and click on the little picture of my book, you don't have to buy my book, but anything else you buy, I get a little percentage. It makes me happy. It supports the show. You can even bookmark it so you don't even have to go through my, you know, the few extra steps to go through my website. But, you know, this month people bought like Bose headphones and a pool cleaner. And to any of you that have gone through my website to buy something on Amazon, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home. When I first came over here, as um, I thought that I spoke French because I took French in college and high school, and yeah, I finished and then left. After told my parents that God told me I wouldn't cut out to be a doctor, so I was going to take a year off, and I'm still here. But anyway, I was over here, and I went to this party with this guy from here at the Hotel Crayon, the you know mm -hmm. the beautiful. It was really nice, fancy, formal. I thought I was being so suave and deboner using my new colloquialism French that he went to get us a glass of champagne. And three ladies came up and they said, Oh, mademoiselle, where do you live? And I said, J'habite avec toi, 
I was trying to say I live with three young women, and instead I said, I live with three dicks. And what? I live with three dicks, is what oh. I said, but I didn't read because Viege and Viege are very close the same. So, anyway, the ladies left me standing there and went, oh, and turned around and walked off and left me standing there. So, my date comes up, he goes, What did you, what just happened? And I said, I'm not really sure. <laughs> He said, can you tell me exactly what you said? And I told him, he goes, oh, mon Dieu. And he had to go find the ladies. So anyway, that just goes to show that when you think you're learning a foreign language, don't try to use all of your, yeah, your slang your until you really know how to use it. <laughs> all in all, I'm commissioned a general stooge. I sit on the right of this high flight. You're a pilot for corporate. And did you have any, have you ever had any dramatic flying experiences? This was a former company I worked for out of the Midwest, um, flying a King Air E90 on a maintenance test flight. We went up, we just made it up to cruise 18,000 feet, about 90 miles out of the airport, and we got done with all our trending on the engines, which was fine. And me and the pilot in command were just kind of joking about how well the test flight had gone, and kind of just making light of the whole situation and you know he goes have you seen all you need to see I said sure let's go ahead and head back so we started into a 180 degree turn back to our destination and felt a little little buffet in the airplane about you know a quarter of the way through the turn and didn't think much of it it kind of felt like clear turbulence so then about three quarter of the way through the turn kind of felt a jarring um, pop and it kind of set our head forward a little bit looked out off the right wing and that's when I noticed the aileron was completely gone. Is gone gone? Yeah, gone. Just two two of the bonding braids were <laughs> dangling up in the wind there. So you know we got the airplane straight and level again and um, the most concerning part of this whole scenario was they had both ailerons off the company that did the work so the whole time you're thinking, when when is the other one going to go? What happens so, when that happens? Nobody knows. You know? <laughs> so, like I said, it's it's never been never been attempted on this airplane, but the airplane flew just fine. Um, we just made minimal turns. The other thing that can happen to you, say you're coming into the airport, you line up on a good runway, which is favorable to the wind. We would have had to make a another basically complete loop around the airport to line up correctly so rather than doing that we just took the straight in approach to the airport we were facing and you know because the other thing it's got push-pull tubes out in that aileron quadrant and so you don't know if one of those lock up because when the aileron's gone there's nothing holding them anymore so they're just kind of dangling there and they can jar up so then you lose your your turning ability with the with the aileron so yeah so what happened when you landed? Did you like high five each other? Or? No, it, it was pretty, pretty sober in the cockpit, you know. We were, but as we're taxiing in, you know, we're kind of just looking at each other, like, you know, pretty thankful how it went. And I think the fire trucks and all that couldn't believe it because they were following us in. And you know, we tower asked us if we needed any further assistance. We said no. And I think they just kind of pulled up and they're all just looking at the, the airplane, trying to process what what happened. And, pretty much it you know the, the FAA showed up and they couldn't believe it actually happened they they had said they had a report of a King Air losing an aileron in flight and 
I answered the door when they showed up and he goes, where's the crew at? And I said, you know, I'm one of them. The other guy's right here. He said, you know, tell me what really happened. He goes, we, we had a report of an aileron departing an airplane. I like the word, it departed yeah. the airplane. So, yeah. And, you know, he just couldn't believe it because most of the cases where they have that happen, it's it's a crash scene Catastrophic. that they, that they yeah. address. So I guess we're fortunate. So, so was have you had other stuff before or was this like your first? That was, that was definitely the biggest. So <laughs> hopefully it would be the biggest for the rest of my career. But I'm a lousy co-pilot and a long way from home. Here is your next limerick. Crying babies on planes are uncanny. Can't be stowed in an overhead cranny. When everyone's stressed, we'll help fix the mess. We'll hook you folks up with a... Nanny. Yes! The one exception to the unconditional love that we parents show our children is, of course, when we have to fly with them. That's why there is now a service called Nanny in the Clouds. It's a new company, and it's the worst job in the world for a plane ticket. <laughs> and just $20 an hour, your nanny will sit with your screaming children on the plane while you sit several rows away telling everyone around you, my God, I'm never having kids. <laughs> Here. <laughs> I would do that so quickly. There is no amount of money. Someday I'll make captain and then I'll be blessed. I'll give my poor tongue one long hell of a rest. Well, that's about it for this 80th episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I just want to let you know I may be a few days late next month in getting the podcast out. I'm not sure yet because I might go on a trip the last week of April and... I'm not sure where I'm going yet. I was thinking maybe Turkey or Scotland or Palau, but depending on how far away it is, I might not be back uh, to get the podcast out on time. Might be a few days late. I don't know. Just give you a heads up. But I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye.